I think when you have enough chesticles, as I call it, to go and start a business, um, you really have to back yourself. And I think even if people tell you you can't, you sort of go to bed at night thinking, have I gone crazy? But let's go for it. (laughs) Welcome to Building Doors. In this series, you'll develop the skills to build a roadmap for success, get inspired by those leaders who have come before you, and give you the confidence to stop waiting and start building. Julie Castle is the founder of Struber, a leading professional services consultancy in Australia. Julie's company works on some of the biggest infrastructure projects in the country, including transport, health, development, energy, water, and social infrastructure. Her clients include some of Australia's national and international infrastructure companies, and she services both public and private. Julie's entrepreneurial journey began when she became a mother for the first time. It changed her perspective on work and provided her with that light bulb moment. She wanted to have it all, a love for her career, and to be an extraordinary mother. But she needed flexibility in her work. She established Druba to help take the infrastructure sector to the next level. Julie's hardcore work ethic and drive to implement ideas has been instrumental in their success. She's energetic and passionate about infrastructure and is obsessed with making a positive impact on employees, contractors, suppliers, stakeholders, and clients' lives. She values trust, goodwill, and being heard, which she believes are universally important in business. Julie's company has expanded quickly in Queensland, into Victoria and New South Wales, and recently into Canberra. Her current projects include the Gold Coast Light Rail, Sydney Metro, and Victoria's Northeast Link. She sits on the Transport Fairs Advisory Panel for the Minister for Transport in Queensland and the Advisory Board for Infrastructure Collab. Julie is an ambassador for change, focusing on the future needs of populations and economies. Recently, Struber won the Telstra Best in Business for Accelerating Women, and they've gained accreditation in the best place to work. Welcome, Julie. (laughs) Hello. Hello. So Julie and I um, were very excited to do this podcast. We haven't seen each other for over 10 years, and now both (laughs) each have two children. Yes. I have been watching the journey of Struber and... Love it. Just love your energy, passion, and drive. And to me, that was always evident from the moment that I met you. you Same for you. Yeah. Well, I'm <laughs> glad it's mutual, but I've just been so impressed and wanted to get you on the podcast to share the journey of Struber. What inspired you to start Struber and what challenges did you face in the early phase of the business? Yeah. I think when you have enough chesticles, as I call it, to go and start a business, <laughs> um, you really have to back yourself. And yeah. I think even if people tell you you can't, you sort of go to bed at night thinking, have I gone crazy, but let's go for it. I think we were always really ambitious about what we wanted, but at the same time, we were taking it step by step. I think the challenge for me, though, was when we launched the business in Southeast Queensland, I remember going to my first industry lunch and the economist saying, anybody who's got a business in infrastructure in Queensland over the next five, 10 years is a fool because ultimately the economy is going to be facing a downturn. There's not the infrastructure pipeline spending you want to be doing. And I thought, what have I done? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So look, I think you just have to back yourself and believe it and know your network is there to support you. But it's hard. You know, you've got to keep knocking on doors, getting people to trust different way of working. But I think our unique value proposition around how we wanted to be scalable and flexible and really work with our clients about what they really needed versus just what we wanted to sell them enabled us to kind of get our little niche Mm. and get our market share and and go from there. So it's been, you know, a lot of knocking on doors, proving yourself and you're only as good as your last job. Unfortunately, we've got quite a lot of last jobs now that um, prove that we're doing a good job. 
So tell me more about the knocking on doors side of it, mm. because I think that's the almost it's the, it's the shady secret of new businesses that people don't talk about <laughs> is that tough slog yeah. of knocking on doors and proving yourself. How do you maintain, I guess, a resilient mindset going yes. through those that early phase of growing a business? Yeah, I think you think that if you're a good communicator, that it's going to be fine. You just keep going out and talking to people. But you're right. If you get told sort of no or thanks or talk about it down the track. And I found also uh, people wanting to sort of share their stories, but not necessarily find a way to work together right now. So I think you've got to just keep that activity going because eventually a month, a week or three years later, someone says, hey, remember we were talking about that awesome opportunity or way we could work together? I'll reach out and get you referred to someone and it goes from there. So I think you've just got to keep open to talking to people. I really tried to approach it with just a genuine focus on relationships and that has led to those opportunities. I I'm not kind of a a seller, if that makes sense, but I certainly know how to pitch my story and be passionate about what I do and the value it can offer. And then that's obviously had to scale to be a whole Struber brand story and so many different skill sets that we offer in the business. So keep at it, be genuine in your relationships, and also just make sure that it's a mutually beneficial relationship. Often clients will say, hey, can you introduce me to somebody else or can you do this for me? Mm. And, And I think if you're kind of helping each other out along the way, that sort of snowballs. Look, the sales part is interesting. Our industry is quite focused on relationships, but if you can keep talking to people and staying connected through those industry bodies and being active, we really enjoy the network. Mm. Um, And that's been enabled us to build it just out of one location to multiple locations. So it's now a bigger brand and a bigger beast. Mm. We really just love having those positive relationships in infrastructure and and that's led to great business for us. I'm glad you talked about the relationship side of it because I think so often people think of relationships as transactional. So, and when I find if you approach it in the way that you're, mm. you're passionate about your story and you're going out and having coffees with people and catching up with yeah. people, it's less daunting as well. Agreed. I was saying that to my team recently. I was like, you're not selling. You are not selling. You are merely just looking at how you can provide value Agreed. to your connections in the Agreed. industry. Agreed. And if you believe in what you're doing and you're passionate about it, which you do, which is why you bounce out of bed in the morning and go for it, then ultimately there's something you can offer and there's a problem that you can help solve for them. And maybe it's not something immediately, but I certainly know in terms of thinking about how our services evolved, it's just about identifying new problems and and Mm. better ways of finding solutions. So. I yeah. think it's it's exciting and I think our industry's got a lot of problems so there's plenty of opportunities to help. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm glad you also talked about that feeling of going, oh, the infrastructure pipeline isn't great because a lot of people right now are getting told we're going to a recession. Yes. We're going into a recession. But at the end of the day, we got told during COVID that property prices were going to go down. People forget there's always going to be media hype. And 100%. I love your focus of, and you've always been like that, that positive growth mindset of just move forward move forward. Agree. Like, you know, if I know you've got such a tenacity that if it was just somebody wasn't keen now, you'd be like, they'll be keen later. Yes, I agree. <laughs> they'll, they'll come back to us. <laughs> and also I think you've got to have that survive and thrive mentality, even what we're facing now in industry. And there's a funny feeling at the moment because um, we're waiting on, you know, government reviews uh-huh. of spending. We're waiting on decision-making around where things are going to be prioritised into different sectors. And so you can feel people a little bit uncertain, whereas it wasn't many months ago that we were going to infrastructure industry conversations. Everyone's like, oh, please stop the saturation of opportunities. We can't service it all. And we were yes. talking about our skills, threats. Um, So I think ultimately maybe we're getting what we wish for, but not in a way we wanted it. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Another thing that we've spoken about in the past, I want to ask about it, is your dream 
of being a scuba diver <laughs> and a radio host. So tell me about how some of those early uh, <laughs> career goals shaped you. Oh, my God. Well, <laughs> uh, thank you've caught me, haven't you? <laughs> I did. Uh, uh, look, I think uh, growing up as a North Queensland girl and kind of leads to the story of Struba, really. Uh, my dad and mum ran a building company in Cairns, and so my dad was always very serious about, you know, he treated us like the boys and we had to get out there on site, my sister and I, and, and support on the weekends and on holidays and whatever. Yeah. And so my dad was always very serious about having a hard working job and then that leads to, you know, opportunities for the future. And so, yeah, my first, I think when I was doing a scuba diving license in high school, I was like, that's it, I'm going to live on the ocean and scuba dive. (laughs) Dad was like, that's not a real job. (laughs) I was like, sorry to all the scuba divers out there because it is a fun job. (laughs) Then I was like radio announcing. And as you know, I kind of like to talk and uh, some (laughs) some say I can sell sand to Arabs or gift to the gab and whatever. Uh, I've heard plenty of stuff. I'd buy ice from Eskimos and all that. You can too. That's right. That's why we've always bonded. Uh, But look, I I think it's really the energy that comes off me. So then I got excited about doing radio announcing. So I did lots of work experience and volunteering and got to see that side of life. And then again, dad was like, no. So yeah, left Cairns the day I finished school or two weeks after and then and went on this pathway. So then very shortly after moving from Cairns, I met Dion, who's my husband and co-founder of Struba. So we then went on this pathway of growing yeah. up in life together, but also then starting the business together. And, and now we honor Struba, which is my maiden name and in infrastructure, because we have come from a long line of people working in development and, and construction and mining and rail and that's kind of then led to this I suppose it's weird you kind of think oh I'm doing my own thing and then you have this little moment where you're like actually I think I'm doing something that's been passed down yes. from generations so it's quite interesting I think it's really cool because sometimes when we have a career goal or a career ambition or a place a way a pathway we think we're going to take we don't always realize the pieces that all like mold together to get you to where you are today because if you think about it you know growing up and seeing that hard work ethic seeing firsthand what it's like to run a business how much has that helped you now as a parent knowing how to navigate that then you know the radio hosting thing look you're on a podcast now (laughs) you know see when I met you I knew that you would have this so I could be fine on the radio (laughs) but then also obviously in your role you do so much presenting and things like that so sometimes all these little these little opportunities lead to and it's not until later on in your life that you kind of go, oh, the pieces are all coming together <laughs> exactly. and you almost, it's like the legacy of your father lives on. I agree, exactly. Well. I hope the pieces of hiding out on a super yacht on, off Spain or something being a piece <laughs> that I can channel too. I feel like that's your next piece, Julie. <laughs> It'll mean something. It will. Know Let's it will. put that out there. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a bit about your team as well because we've talked a lot yep. about the founding of Struba. Mm. Um, but one of the things I love about you and what you've talked about, which is good for all of us to learn, is how to manage flexibility within a team mm. and how you think that this impacts the lives of your team members. Yes. Tell, tell us more about that journey. At yeah. Oh, look, it's a full-time mindset at caring for your people and particularly because we sell people. We're offering professional services. Our people, our talent is what we sell. Mm. And so ultimately we need them to be the happiest product and service that they can offer to our client on that day. So it's really important. I think even we were touching on this in our pre-chat, like the journey over, you know, what was like in infrastructure and what people did and then how things have changed in COVID Mm. and what people want out of life now has changed. So you've definitely had to adapt to what flexibility means. We used to talk about work-life, work-life harmony because it wasn't about balance all the time because I certainly know even though I thought maybe starting a business, I'd get some more <laughs> balance. It's not always like that. Uh, but ultimately, as long as you're out trying to have it all, you might all, no, it might not happen all at once, but you'll kind of get there. I mean, so we used to talk about this harmony, but now it's around integration because for some people, we just did a fantastic internal culture piece. And from the research, it was so interesting. 
people said one of the number one things they love about Struber is their this philosophy we have, which is own your flexibility. For so many people, that means so many different things. Mm. That's getting home to check on the dog. That's going and seeing the kids get some sort of presentation at school. That's finishing early to get that long weekend in because you've done the slog during the week. So I think ultimately it's just around having the project management skill sets in everybody and we can do that in consulting mm. where they know, hey, if I'm doing this commitment, I'm going to get this opportunity for flexibility and that's what we really try and focus on. And if you own that flexibility, you're going to get rests after the sprints but you're also going to be able to live your best life. So it's different for everyone and that makes it quite hard from a company to have sort of yeah. policies and systems because it, it can't be too rigid mm. but there needs to be some nice guide rails there so people know what's acceptable but also that they'll take advantage of the opportunities to Mm. live a full life. Yeah. And it's interesting when you talk about just, you know, owning your flexibility and flexibility is different for everyone. Mm. How do you find as a consultancy as well, managing, does it change the way you manage when you're giving flexibility? Do you change the way you look at what you require? Like, and mm. how, you know, how does that mentality shift too? Agreed. I look, I think ultimately it's really our client's can sometimes impact how we can offer that. But at the same time, it's the relationships we have with our clients and how we enable that to happen. But I think it's happening across our whole industry. You know, yeah. I'm running culture coaching and initiatives on major projects across Australia. And it's really interesting hearing that, again, the number one priority for people is is well-being and, and that kind of flexibility. And, and then number two is, is I want to work for an organization that's focused on sustainability and impacting the planet positively. So they're those topics. So we're all facing it, whether you're on site doing a what would be a really traditional hours role, you can start feeling that pressure. There's a CEO actually of a major project in state down south. I won't kind of name him because he may be pivoting on his views now. <laughs> uh, but he's talking about like that idea of, you know, can we run construction sites as four-day work weeks? And then mm. how would you do that? Now, that's obviously a huge cost and challenge for programming. But mm. I think it's a conversation that's happening across the world. I think the main thing is Australia's got to stay competitive mm. and we've got to make sure that we economically can and do those challenges, but also that ultimately the human product and the people are enjoying what they're doing and, and mm. doing their best work and more importantly being productive mm. so our team we can be productive with consultants so we know we've got to give certain amount of outputs or certain amount of hours and so with that we can wrap that flexibility around it sometimes we're working on big tenders and mm. working through the night and making mm. that mission happen by that deadline so we can then obviously gather some flexibility on the back of that or we've got team members who are bedded full-time in government roles and mm. and they sometimes have to do set hours but at the same time that offers them different flexibility due to the government government client relationships. So yeah, I think it's just understanding the human being. Some people don't need as much and other people want a lot more mm. and you just got to also make it fair and equitable. One of the things that I think is important is keeping people in the industry too mm. after COVID. Yep. And when we look at things like flexibility and sustainability being such key topics, it tells us that post-COVID people are now looking mm. at their lives in a different way. 100%. And want to be able to know that they are able to go to work, achieve the outcomes that they need to for their clients and not burn out Agreed. and still have energy for their family and their kids. Agree. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's a big conversation because you've got different schools of thought as well, like different people that have come through and said, look, I worked every Saturday through mm. my whole career. And I think it's about having conversations in how things can be shaped differently. And that project director that you were mentioning as well yeah. is a perfect example. Think, yeah. Just thinking of trying thinking it. Thinking differently. Agreed. And I think also what I find in our industry is the innovation stuff. I know we're doing little bits of innovation here and there, but we talk boldly about innovation, but really we're still kind of waiting for somebody else to, you know, we're like, oh, <laughs> if someone else starts doing it, then we'll I'll follow along, you know what I mean? Like it's yes. still like breaking out and really doing something differently. Unfortunately, you know, I've worked on some amazing positioning strategies for businesses and also 
they're tendering and winning, whether it's an interesting consortium. And they've like lost, you know, due to trying to be innovative on how either they would implement the project or what they would do because that, you know, that didn't come into the confines of the purchaser's mindset. But I think now we've got to think differently. It can't be like one rule for them, one rule for someone else. It can't be easy on one side of the fence and hard on the other side of the fence. So I think our industry has got a lot to do around challenging itself around what they're expecting of its people, but also being able to get work done. You know, Mm. there's a lot of talk and it happens like we've got a lot of international contractor clients and the way we run Australia in terms of all of our different expectations and and conditions, it does make it really hard for them to be profitable. Mm. And so if you can't keep piling on the the costs and the inflation of running a project, it makes it very hard for for that. And, and the economic stimulation that comes from infrastructure is kind of tighter. So I think it's a big conversation. Mm. I think there's lots of little one percenters that can happen over time. I also look forward to seeing us all kind of leaning into the opportunity and making sure we can deliver these great assets for this country. Awesome. What do you think some of the blockers might be for innovation in in that infrastructure and construction and and those heavy industries? Like for all the work that you do, what do you see as some Mm. of those? I think it is that bias around what will and won't work. People are already in their headspace that I was trained this way and so therefore it has to be done that way. One of some of the things, particularly on the topic, I suppose, of flexibility, some of the conditions or changes that we bring in, we talk a lot about culture as behaviours and habits. And as part of these culture programs we're rolling out, we agree with across the cross-section going, okay, well, there's certain hours of the day which we're not Mm going to have meetings. Mm -hmm. There's certain days of the week which we're going to have this type of work happening. And so, therefore, then it just creates windows for people. Mm. I remember a leader sharing the other day, he said, oh, I go to the gym now during the lunch break because I know that we don't have meetings between 11 and 1. So he's getting this whole opportunity to look after himself that he wouldn't have usually got because otherwise someone would have booked that meeting at 12 and he would have yeah. said three months go by, hey, infrastructure. Yep. Three months go by and you're like, oh, when was the last time <laughs> I actually went out and you know, I'm eating hamburgers but I'm not doing any exercise. Uh, so, you know, hamburgers that was, at the desk. <laughs> exactly. You know, I'm eating the hamburger and we're like, you can't find I haven't had a break today. <laughs> so true. <laughs> I never forget on a project years ago and, uh, and this amazing executive leader, she used to come in regularly eating her lunch in this particular executive forum. And I, the blokes used to chat about it after. Oh, and, like, and I was like, well, let's be fair. If someone had to look at that person's diary, there is no other time. And so if we're the comfortable place that she can smash down that sandwich <laughs> or break up that mandarin, we are excited to be there for her. We're yeah. a safe lunch we're space. Safe. <laughs> I would be chatting around and thinking if that person every time is in that meeting is, oh, mate, you know, she really got not that time in the day to we, eat the sandwich at the exactly. desk, you know. Yeah. Maybe it was a particular diet routine. You had to have it at that time. I'm not sure. Who but we, if we didn't ask. We have to find out. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing I wanted to talk to you about is values in business because yes. I, you've always been this type of person and I see it shining through in Struba, the, mm. the values of the business. So how important are values in business and what do you do to ensure you're acting in line with them? Yeah. So I think values are very important and it's quite interesting as part of some of the work we do with different leadership groups and different teams when you're sort of forming them and, and getting them to work together. People have their own values, obviously, and they Mm. bring them to work. And so sometimes the conflict between two people is actually not that they don't want to come to work and make their jobs easier and work together and happily all day. They actually just don't have values alignment. So what's really important to someone is not as strong elsewhere. Mm. So I think that setting the charter of what this project or this company or this group of people need to do is really Mm. important. So 
uh, we've kind of moved away from the kind of 1980s values, you know, we believe in integrity, <laughs> we believe in trust uh, because, you know, what does integrity mean? I can tell you I've asked a, a group of 120 people and it's very different for every single yeah. person. So so we actually really believe in defining that. So we had an amazing business coach with us a few years ago and mm. he was talking about this All Blacks and the principles of the All Blacks and it just resonated with us and so we've now kind of built it in. Maybe it's a bit of a yoga, well-being vibe, but the idea of mantras, so consciousness. So it's a bit of IP that we've built and it's a great thing that a lot of infrastructure projects are coming to us for now and they want to have conscious statements, habits and behaviours that they will implement as a team to actually make them work really well. So some of the ones they've got, you know, curiously lean in. You know, mm. so what does that mean? Well, actually, we need to actually really support each other and ask why before we start to rule out other people's decisions or other people's advice. You know, mm. some of ours at Struber, our strength is in the pack. Mm. You know, we're one team and we're always going to be able to be more successful together. Mm. So I think that actually you're activating something. And I can tell you, if you're having a bad day, one of ours is energy is everything. Mm. And if someone's rocking up to work with their vibe down, I'll be like, hey, energy is everything. Let's, let's get back on track. And so it automatically gives you a statement mm. to reset, consciously go, hey, hang on, that habits and behaviors I'm showing my team. So I think we like to review them and recognize people on them on a weekly basis as part of an internal system. But I think really you've got to be really sure what is that value in action Mm. and what do you want to see and can you measure it or can you recognize and reward based on it? And I think that holds leaders to high standard because if you aren't able to demonstrate the attributes of that, then really you kind of got a poster on the wall. Yeah. One of the things that I have noticed, and particularly in this space, we are as a supplier to construction engineering industry, Mm. is the importance of partnering with clients that have the same values you do or that recognize the importance of the values. Because like you, Mm. we deal in in people. And when we're partnering with clients, we are going, here you go. Here's this wonderful person who we spent all this time nurturing and and, and we're going to place them in this job with you and trust that you're going to treat them well and that everything that that we've told them about is going to be their experience. So how important do you feel it is? And do you look at values alignment when you're looking at what clients you'll partner with. Yes, absolutely. And we've got a great in-house recruitment and also recruitment partners such as yourselves in the past around where we really, it's important, right? Because if you walk in and it's not what it says on the tin or more importantly, you walk in and you actually don't gel with that, the chances of that person lasting is is low. And I think also as businesses grow, we've also found as businesses grow, your culture is evolving. So Mm -hmm. you need to make sure you've got kind of people coming with you on that journey, but also adapting as you transition. So I think it's a key part of recruitment. I think you should be very open in your recruitment processes around, mm. hey, this is us. You know, this is us on a poster on a wall, mm. but this is also us in in action. So people can really buy into it because there's no point in wasting each other's time. Mm. Um, some people just won't fit mm. and that's okay, but you don't really want to wait six months or a year to find that out. Mm. Um, and it also has a big impact on the other team members who are drinking the Kool-Aid and loving what they're doing. So I think you can pull that out. There's lots of strategies. You're the recruitment expert. There's lots of strategies around how you draw that out. So there's kind of no excuse for people to be surprised once they started a role. But you're right. When you're handing them over, you've got to live up to the promise. Yes. Um, And I think it's really important. And and we've got a great team in our talent team. They're always like, we've got to deliver on that promise. And I think that's an important conversation to have with yourself all the time because you've got to align with where the business is headed what you want to achieve, but also what you actually, your people are there for. Absolutely. And I think sometimes we work with companies and they'll say, oh, we don't really 
we don't really know what our values it's are. It's incredible. And, and it, you, you can always turn around and go, well, your people do. Yes. Because if you talk around to your, your people, the culture is created whether you are mindful of it or not, whether you're intentional 100%. about it or not. If you talk around to you. So tell me more about when you did this um, yes. discussion with 115 people. Yes. And can you tell us more about that and, and the values what and what, what you found? Well, it's interesting. So we have a range of things that we do in these large groups and, and facilitated workshops, but I quite love using kind of quick data drawings. So yeah. Quick jump on your phones let's all plug in some information to this system and it's fascinating you know once I ended up in a situation where two particular people were almost going at it in this particular forum and we love it we, we preferred them to in a safe environment have it out yeah move on and you know we've, absolutely we've washed up and we're ready to go mm. and it really was this values alignment one of them really thought really strongly around respect in the workplace being this and the other person thought respect in the workplace meant something totally different mm. and I think that's really a key to understand I we love asking that you know the Toyota um, CEO used to have the five wives which I really love because if you actually ask someone why, you know, well, tell me about what does respect mean to be. Well, that's why, why, why. You start to dig into really what's actually at the core of that. I mean, her respect stuff came from teamwork and the need to actually work together as a team and value everybody's collective input, whereas his was more around respect of hierarchy and system integration and following. So they were just arguing. They thought they believed in the same thing, but mm. it was from a totally different lens. So. I think we can try and draw that out quite quickly in some of our early kind of evidence research and data capture and stuff. And it's fascinating when people actually take the time to pause and understand each other. Yeah. And even share. I love when people share my personal liabilities because let's be honest, we all know we've got some. Yes. I've got a couple of them. We know our vulnerabilities. <laughs> exactly. And if we don't know, our team will tell you. Agreed. <laughs> and so why avoid that? You know, yeah. if you're spending so many hours a day with these people, talk about it. And I think that also breaks things down where you then understand someone's values, but also you understand where it's coming from in their yes. sense. And also how far you can push them if you need to push them yeah. um, without them feeling like they're compromising themselves. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm glad you talked about that as well, because I think so often people think we're a company, we've done our values, you know, we'll hire people <laughs> with our values, and they don't maybe think or explore the subjective view that people have of what a value means to them. 100%. Um, and like you said, and what flexibility means to them as well. Mm. What do you consider, so through growing your business and a really successful business, best in business for Telstra for accelerating women, best place to work? I mean, Jules, that's impressive. We're like the builder that finally finished their house. We actually went out and got some uh, confirmation of what we are. That's, yes. you know, it's great when we've got a bit of marketing capacity in the house. It was great. Uh, and we're very proud of that. It's a nice kicker to go, yeah, we're actually doing things. And it's outside the infrastructure vacuum too to go, hey, people outside of our world think we're doing a good job. So that was nice. Absolutely. And you deserve the recognition. And through that, I'm really interested in, I guess, an insight from you. What are some of the most important lessons you feel you've learned while growing your business? Oh. That's a tricky one, I know. <laughs> no. Lessons. We'll just put a timer um, on while you think about it. Um, look, I think <laughs> the lessons are focus on the data and to guide your decision-making versus perception and emotion. You know, I think sometimes, particularly we work in a people-based business and you can get caught up and worried about something. You know, it's a bit like when we work in stakeholder engagement for our clients. You mm. spend so much time on the noisy 5% or the 5% of people versus thinking about the collective. And so I think really now we're really focused on understanding what everyone holistically is thinking, what our different mm. markets are thinking, what our different team members' uh, pathways and needs are. And so therefore we're really able to kind of tailor but mm. also make it something that suits everybody. So definitely focus on the data and focus on the results and more importantly, drive everyone to where you're headed. Make your strategy really clear. It's quite fascinating. 
again, when we're working with clients, you know, a business has a business strategy. And then when you get out of the corporate environment into the project environment, or even in a government department, the heads, executives, what they think versus the individual program or project teams, it doesn't align. So you need everyone to kind of understand that. So that's my next big one is like strategy, clarity, communication, and alignment. Mm. And again, you don't always get it perfect, but if everyone can see every day I'm showing up and I'm contributing to that big thing, that really helps. And I think that's quite fascinating on infrastructure projects. And it also has been for our business to help everyone be aligned. And then I think, I'm trying to think of any other lessons. There's just so many lessons. There's lessons every day. We have an always learning mindset because I think we're human beings and experiences I'm having today I've never had before. And so Mm. I have to kind of learn as I go. But we're coming up to 10 years in business next year. So I've done a lot. I've seen a lot and I've still got plenty to uh, (laughs) do. Still learning every day. I went to a breakfast the other day and one of the things they were talking about, it was all around retaining uh, young women in the industry. Mm. And one of the things they talked about in terms of culture that young women were looking for, and I wanted to talk to you about this because of your award in Accelerating Women and Mm. I wanted your thoughts on this, was safety. Mm. Looking for safety in the workplace. And I thought more about it and I think the way you spoke about it then in business, feeling safe to not know all the answers that no question is a stupid question. Absolutely. And to make a mistake. When you haven't done something before, you're going to make mistakes. And I just think one of the things I know about you and I've seen about you is just your forward approach. Move on. Oh, 100%. Hmm. I think people, like I have to remind our team but also clients and stuff in the past, have the conversation, talk about it, not focus on who and what happened but how could we make it not happen again? When did we maybe notice this was going wrong and could we have looked at it earlier or whatever it is? But once it's had that conversation, I move on. I've Maybe I've just got kind of a outbox delete mind, but mm. I just don't want to hang on to old mm. stuff. It's just I don't have time and energy no. for it. Some things stick with you. Some things are harder in terms of yourself, in terms of the lessons you learned or whatever. But otherwise, I'm interested in just having the conversation. What's the solution? Let's implement that solution and go on. And we talk move about on. kind of 20% strategy, 80% execution. I'm very interested in getting stuff done. And so, yeah, there's no time for that. And I think that's really an interesting one. I, I find this quite fascinating. Even when you talked about young women in safety, I know one of our projects in New South Wales, the data came out around, this was around sort of transport mm. um, infrastructure planning and particularly around rail and this was around safety. But it, that safety, the same topic, again, we're kind of talking about the same word, but what it means. And that was yes. all around visibility, lighting, access, whatever. But that's a similar, whether you talk about it as a physical environment or actually what's a, in a business, visible lighting, knowing where things are going, knowing that you can be safe to go through that next corridor and things are going to come through on the other side. Like it's quite interesting. I think we just have to make sure that we always remember that nobody's perfect. Mm. And we also have to remember that we all, I think, genuinely wake up every morning wanting to have a bright impact on the world. Yes. And so if we come at it from that angle, let's let each other make mistakes and fail or let's let each other learn from each other. But I think the big thing for young women and also anyone in the industry, I always say just be happy to ask questions and not mm. know. Yeah. And, man, we've got plenty of people in our industry who love telling stories. Yes. Sharing knowledge. Yes. Old words of wisdom. Yep. And that's awesome because you'll learn from that. And I find that quite exciting. Uh, The ability for the kind of elders to teach the next generation and we should be grabbing those people quickly. Do you know what I think is special about this industry and I was thinking about this the other day is that the people that have the experience and the knowledge, they want to teach you. They want to help you. If you ask the question and you ask for help, Mm -hmm. I've never, I would say 80% of the time or more, if I've ever done that, the person's gone, yep, I'll explain that. 100%. Or yep, I'll show you around the project and show you how it works and what our team looks like. So I think there's always that misconception that you have to know everything. 
But there's also so much power in not knowing and then going to someone who is an expert that can impart that knowledge on you, you know, and they want to help you and they want to tell their story and their journey and leave their legacy with you as well. Well, I was going to say, isn't that the topic? When you talk to anyone in infrastructure, and even though things are evolving, the reality is, is not everyone's in it for the work-life balance. They're in it for the legacy. Mm. They want to drive around town and go, I was part of that project. Yes. We planned that new development site. We made this happen. We're at the forefront of the energy transition. Like, it's all about leaving something for the next generation. We work with um, a water infrastructure agency and the whole tone of their why is, is that legacy piece Mm. and for generations to come people will be talking about what they worked on so if you are motivated by legacy you absolutely want to share your story and if that's a small touch point on an office in a site in a department interaction for a tender people are willing to share you've just got to ask Mm. and shut up and listen for a minute Absolutely. (laughs) Tell me more about sustainability. So we Mm. spoke about this briefly early on, and I'm interested in your thoughts around, I guess, the future needs in sustainability Mm. and some of the emerging trends you can see in that space Mm. in the infrastructure side. Oh, well, I think, again, the work in infrastructure collab and a few of those different things, even business cases now being more around circular economy and the reuse and recycle of material versus taking raw stuff into industry is sustainability. I also think just even the sector Mm. transformation, the people that are going to be moving into the energy sector Mm. and that transformation, that's all really around sustainability. It's still going to have a huge impact in terms of what happens to communities and that's a whole piece around social license which we love getting involved in and smoothing the pathway for approvals while keeping neighbours and communities on board. But I think the sustainability thing gives us more chance to be part of exciting legacies. I also think the sustainability part comes across a lot. It's been in the financial review for years and we Mm. certainly ride one letter really hard in terms of ESG and so environments, uh, social and governance. And I think the social piece, there's so many dreams that people have around having living in a beautiful planet and living in a better community and and having better relationships around what they're doing through their work but also in their communities. And so I think if you really focus on that social piece, you'll start to find the most simplest and also the most advanced sustainability ideas that come out of those communities. And that's some of the things we love to do in infrastructure planning, Mm. uh, but also in exciting, interesting, winning strategies in tenders, but also in the delivery. And I think projects like one of the big projects we're working on in Victoria, a big road tunnel, they are just forging ahead with the most amazing sustainability initiatives. And and that comes from great topics we like to get involved in, which is like the social procurement piece. How do we get people who never thought that they would work on a, an infrastructure project or the supply chain? How do we get these amazing startups that really mm. don't even have a clue how to interact with the infrastructure industry? We're, we're a funny little beast. <laughs> but if we can give them access, they mm. will bring us the most innovative stuff out of a whole different sector and have a huge impact on how much waste and how much resource goes in and even how we produce the infrastructure from a resourcing perspective, whether that be through technology and other things. So I think the sustainability is like kind of this like little shiny ball that's got all these different Mm. mirrors that can happen. And I'm really excited to kind of touch different parts of them through the projects we work on. And I think in the end, we'll end up with a better planet, but also we'll end up with better communities. Yes. I love that. So you've worked on some of Australia's largest infrastructure projects What are some of the challenges you see that we're facing now and and going forward? Yes. Look, I think big or small infrastructure projects, it all comes down to people. I, Mm. I really think that and that's why we've always got along very well around talent and I think it really comes down to human beings and what are we going to be doing? What are we going to be doing to provide 
the communities with the assets that they need and mm. long into the future? How do we actually build communities to come to the assets that we're building? And I think that really those human relationships, it kind of links back full circle to the earlier topics. I think people need to be prepared to work together in new and better ways, whether that be through the contracting environment and mm. decisions around contract selection or procurement selection. But I also think it's around um, how do we actually you know, maximize the resources we've got I think the people factor, how yeah. do we get the most out of the people we've got? Mm-hmm. How do we bring in new people to the market and make it an attractive and interesting industry to work yep. for? Absolutely. Yep. Like you think about some of the things that we are facing in terms of what human beings are wanting out of our industry now. They were like, you could never talk about those topics five years ago. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you were a weak person for thinking that you should live life like that. Whereas now, hey, we've absolutely got to do something about it. And it's the only way we're going to get the gender gap on infrastructure projects filled, you know, 4% of women on infrastructure projects. That's tragic. And you said what? You were talking before, you said it's one in, one in 10 people yep. in Australia work in an infrastructure or construction related field. And that's fascinating. Like and then that's only 4% of that is women. And so, yeah. you know, I, I talk a lot about how, we, you know, people talk about the skills gap and, you know, everyone was really afraid about this because it's actually just a gender gap. If we can get more of the other half of the Australian population participating, and that's maybe through exactly this. How do we manage the roles and the flexibilities or what types of skills and trades that we need? But I also think Australia, we're a very big country. Mm. There's skills transition opportunities. And I think it's quite interesting when I work with some of the big membership bodies, mm-hmm. they're really grappling with how do we actually enable skills to be transitioned between different locations in Australia mm. or international to Australia so we can actually get that capacity that we need. So I think, again, we've got to be mindful that we can actually train and grow and develop people. Mm-hmm. And if all the industry is talking together around, well, who's going to solve which problem by when, then collectively we can move forward quite fast. I love it. And you, you've talked so much in this episode about the exciting things that are on offer in the industry as well. Yes. I mean, the legacy piece is huge of going in past and saying, look, I helped build that. But also I really like what you talk about, about contributing to the communities in, yeah, creating a lasting piece mm. of infrastructure or something that's going to improve lives, you know. Yes. What, that's a pretty important job that, Absolutely. That, that the industry is doing and something. And I think the more that people understand it and the more that we are communicating how great the industry is across all levels, right from high school, then working on programs to retain, you know, people in the industry. I think that there's so much work to be done there. I agree. And you see the tier ones and even the tier twos now, they're investing in their own supply chains, learning and development growth so they can actually have the capacity they need to deliver their projects. And that's a fantastic thing. Normally people would be like, I'm not spending anything outside of mine and I've got my margin. Whereas they know to make their jobs viable, they need that uh, skill set and capacity. So it's nice to see some of those investments happening as well. I'm really excited. I think everyone, you know, I think we're getting to the point now and I, unfortunately we may or may not have more time than we wanted to at the moment with some of the challenges of when a project's coming to market and what's happening. But I think people are stopping just talking about observing the problem and, you know, kind of watching it from the grandstands, eating their popcorn and actually jumping on the field and going, what role can I play Mm. um, to improve, which I think will be really exciting. And I also just think that people are being a little bit more organized around what can their organization do. You don't have to do everything for everyone all at once, but ultimately there's an opportunity there for people to be able to contribute to get the right talent into the market, keep the people inspired that are here Mm. um, and also grow those opportunities whilst also delivering great outcomes. We've got a purpose statement, which is bright impact on people, places, projects, programs, 
policy prosperity in the planet. And so we didn't want to have that many P's, but <laughs> we ended up with that many because like if you work in policy in infrastructure, you have a huge impact. And so you need to be, even if you're in a government department, you actually need to be accountable and responsible for the amazing mm. direction that you can set for that. The program managers, the people who oversee billions of dollars programs over many years and sometimes decades, you know, we've got an opportunity there to really have that bright impact. And, and I think that really motivates our team. And certainly through our services, we're trying to touch all of those areas because I think we make a better country. Um, mm. And also it's a much more inclusive country mm. uh, and also a much more exciting industry to work in because we're starting to unlock diversity. But also you know that every action you take will have a reaction and hopefully a positive impact yeah. on the economy and the communities we work in. And that's a responsibility you should take really seriously. I agree. And you're seeing more and more, um, you said, obviously, tier one and tier two companies and people in there looking at thinking outside the box and mm. looking at different solutions. I, I We went this morning, my team and I, to do a brief for a new project. It was so great that the GM said, look, I want to look at this adjacent market because I've reframed the way that we can resource this project. We understand there's a skill shortage there. And the transferable skills in this type of work would apply um, to this type of project. Yes. So even though it's not traditionally roads, there are other skill sets learned from this manufacturing side of the business and we can make it work. Mm. I was, I nearly gave him a round of and applause. And so you're like, yay! Yeah, that's what, and, and you are seeing people being more mindful of and, cre and creative. Create. We have this statement, frugality leads to creativity because that's really what True. people need to do. You're going to yes. need to do more with less and you're going to have to think that side. And, and even touching on the tier threes, fours and fives, like some of the most amazing winners of uh, different infrastructure programs, even in Victoria, they've been having really strong policy around the inclusivity of the workforce, yes. yeah. the targets around social procurement spending. And I think that's been setting a really good standard. And I've seen some amazing companies who are partnering with Indigenous businesses, mm. um, you know, culturally linguistically diverse uh, migrant communities. Amazing stuff is happening. Mm. And because they're having to think differently, they're having to be creative and going, hey, I can't get the type of person that I used to get for, to solve this particular problem. So now I can unlock. And all of a sudden, these businesses are basically able to be hugely successful because they've got a beautiful pipeline runway of work. Mm. They've got a great contractor to partner with. And that contractor is able to succeed more and also win more work because of that partnership. So that's exciting. And I think you hit the nail ahead as well when you looked at it from the frugality side of things whenever there's a challenge there's also an opportunity a thousand percent so if there's a skills shortage or a challenge what's the opportunity to get more people in the industry 100%. and to look at where we can do that and to be intelligent about thinking strategically when we're doing any sort of recruitment in projects or in industry yep. and looking and going okay how else can we bring someone through? What mm. development programs do we need to be doing? And again, what you spoke about, how do we need to be shaping the roles with our clients around flexibility, mm. even that two hour, now that person that can go to the gym for two hours at lunchtime. Like that's mm. just literally transformed their world and then potentially they're retained longer. A hundred percent. Because they're, they're well feeling great at work yeah. and they're coming back, they're reset. Yep. They didn't eat the hot dog at the desk again. <laughs> 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 all that, you know, all that. I maybe remember. that lady that ate the sandwich oh, uh, will, you know, exactly. maybe she's back. Well, talking now we're, back time we're to sticking go to, the to our food theme. I remember one of my first <laughs> infrastructure jobs, the traffic controller, he used to eat every day. Doritos, but dipped out of tuna, a can of tuna. Oh, and I, He didn't smell good, but I love him to bits. But um, ultimately, like, I thought that was a skill in itself. I haven't ever served that when I kind of put the platters out when I have people over. I haven't thought about the can the tuna. tuna with the Dorito dip chip. But 
it's a thing. And I think maybe that's what we should be rolling out. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> but, but look, have you ever feeding had people is important, I food, think, on our site. It, it is. Food is an important thing. And I think in most episodes that have been de- to do with construction, there's been some sort of food element. Someone was saying how someone <laughs> bought her a sub to thank her for the for the training that she did oh my God. on a previous episode. But the old tuna can, I get off a tangent here, <laughs> but do you remember the office managers that would, I had an office manager in an old job that would send out an email to everyone and goes, can I please remind everybody that tuna has quite a stench and if you are having tuna for lunch, please rinse the can oh before you put it in the bin. Yeah. Oh, my God. And I, I knew who it was that, ate, that had the tuna and I'd be like, Michael, did you see the email? <laughs> How was your tuna? You got busted. Yeah. I remember when we first got our, like, first proper big office with our own kitchen and everything and I was like, guys, we I refuse to be a company that has the sign on the dishwasher. Yeah, you know, clean, dirty, and then the bins with all oh. the conditions. Having said that, there has been some times I was like, I should have got those signs. <laughs> uh, but you know, I'm kind of like, we're all adults here. Let's care for each other. You know, that's really important. But I will have to share with you one of our, an amazing uh, company that we do their kind of annual culture reviews for, and their number one perk for their company is the Christmas ham. Ooh. They love it. Now, this is a, a very successful, fabulous business with uh, great leaders and people love their Christmas ham. And I thought, well, that says a lot, doesn't it, for our industry? It's just the simple things. It is. We Maybe we're very food motivated. Everything <laughs> needs to happen. We're hungry hippos. <laughs> maybe you should, uh, like, at the end of year, Jules, send uh, around yes. um, a packet of Doritos and a tin of tuna. No. <laughs> Don't worry, clients. That's not getting added to the list. I'm definitely. It's yeah, going to catch I on. like a good lunch <laughs> and I like a wine. So I'm not. Uh, no. Gonna go no, to I, think I actually food... hate canned tuna, so please, everyone know that's not happening. <laughs> Do Laura, not that's ever... not your thank you Oh, my gift. gosh. I hope that <laughs> now, if anyone's listening, you know this sense of humour and construction, you are going to end up with the can of tuna. Someone's <laughs> going to give it to you, Julie. <laughs> the cat's out the bag now. Um, but I think that's important, like little things. It's the little things that show it's in care. culture. I also had had a place that I've been once before that had a sign saying, please make sure you, you know, flush and use your brush and then you walk outside, please wash your hands and, and things like that. And you're like, oh, my goodness. I know. It's those little messages yes. that people don't realise are telling the culture. Uh, well, aren't they? But it's also then if you reframe it too, it's like, well, habits and behaviours. So you're showing people the habits and behaviours. So someone was kept letting everyone down and I can tell you someone had a gutful. So they went and produced those sausage, those signs and they were like, we're getting it out there. And then this was the same and then they would send out an email saying, excuse me, can somebody uh, who has used the toilet, like, you know, oh, just, you know, like just. No. <laughs> just oh, oh, it is scary on big projects, isn't it, when sometimes those all in one yes. emails go out and, you know, a thousand people have received this update about the fridge or the, yes. the something or the missing cupcake. <laughs> and you're thinking, shaking his head at me. Hey, sorry. But hey, this is the stuff talk we talk about. We Let's do. get back to some serious well, work. But until we get back to the, the other thing I want to talk about is taking away the office biscuits. So when you are uh-huh. um, on in construction and there's a, there's a downturn <laughs> and people are made redundant, people are, you know, people are unhappy about that. Where it really gets vicious is when they say cost austerity managers, yes. measures, measures. We're cutting the Arnott's biscuits Ooh. on site. Look, I must admit it's been a long time since I've seen a pack of Arnott's biscuits in a kitchen, but maybe. On maybe projects, they, they you know. I know it, it's yeah. a thing. It's been a long time. Maybe that's a sign. Yeah. It's so a sign. The biscuits have been cut. It's the little things. It's the ham. It's the biscuits. Oh, but again, that just comes into the whole factor around culture and care and yeah. human beings. People just want to be, even, uh, you know, some of the insights we get sometimes on projects when we're trying to drive that, like, increasing their velocity and improving their productivity. It's like, okay, we're going to go after these goals this quarter and smash it out, whether it be in a company or, Mm. and it's just like people want to know if they get there, they're going to get a thank you. 
They're yeah. going to get recognized for yeah. doing so good. And sometimes it's not monetary. No. It's actually just around that acknowledgement that you did good. We're really proud of you. And so, you know, sometimes that is in the delivery of, of a simple gesture, whether that be a morning tea. But ultimately, I think people just want to know that they're doing good mm. and that we see them. And and I, I can see you're trying to do your very best and thank you. But it's also a great little carrot for people to go, hey, guys, if we do this, we're going to get this outcome. And I think I see that too sometimes on these big sprints in infrastructure, whether that be everyone working late or everyone um, contributing to a big milestone. Mm. Um, people know that there's kind of going to be something important. And normally the food piece is about that community piece. They get to sit mm. around and chat to their colleagues. So yeah. we're very people orientated. I often say to the guys saying, you know, we're, we're kind of love the Country Women's Association and people talk about that kind of sitting around and nattering together. Well, we love a good yarn. We love yes. a good chat. Yes. Um, so providing those forums is also a great place. If you put structure around it, make it learning and development, make it sharing, make it something interesting, then you're going to get a huge value out of, of those touch points as well. Yes. So big question, DNM. what is the legacy you hope to leave in the world? Oh, so my individual kind of legacy is around positive experiences that last a lifetime. So I want to know that I was part of work that enabled somebody to have an experience that they would talk about when they were old. Um, and, you know, that's something that I want to try and every day challenge myself to make sure they're positive things. Mm. But ultimately, that's a huge opportunity. And then really the super purpose, the bright impact on people, places, seven piece. Yeah. Um, that is really important for us because I want to know that I went to those communities and tried to make those places more exciting for the next generation yeah. through whether that be how we inform those people, how we got them through design, how we got them to utilize the asset or how the team that was delivering the asset interacted with that community or how the businesses spent and invested in those communities. I think that's a really important thing. So I still feel like they're experiences that will last a lifetime. They might be transformational and that's what I want to be famous for or remembered oh. for. But I also keep getting told to people, no one's going to come to your funeral, you know what I mean? So just be good every single day and try and be good to your family along the way. So that's important as well. Yeah. And you juggle a family too. I want to just note that you're a rock star, extraordinary mum. You've got to two-year-old and, and an eight, eight we're nine, nine now. So we had our first child, started Struber yes. at six months of age and then now, yeah, in, then had the two-year-old. So we kind of gave birth to Struber and then a second child. So it's good. Keeps us busy. <laughs> we really have three kids, really. Yeah, that's right. We definitely have three kids. And have you learned a lot about the juggle with that as well? You know, both yes. of you having a business and kids. Agreed. And I certainly cheer for any parents in the industry all the time. We debrief. I had a client come in talking to me this morning. You can just see him grappling with you know, managing the kids and how they're going and what's going on with them at school. And, you know, have you, there's this constant parent responsibility and guilt that comes with living your full life. And yes. I think that's it. We've got a community that you should be talking to. And, and people give me some amazing advice all the time. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure I'm always nailing it, but I try and wake up every day and start fresh and, and be good. And I've got beautiful bubbly girls and mm. um, they're really an inspiration. And they also, you know, they'll cheer for me or they'll pull me up if I'm not being well behaved. So that's good. Yeah. I think as well, with children and things like that, that that's one thing that I find is something always relatable. Like if you've got kids and you're in business and you talk to somebody else that's got kids and in business or, you know, trying to do the juggle, we can all relate. You know? Agree. It's okay to be honest about it. You know, Agree. if you ha haven't had a lot of sleep and your kids had croup or you, you get up and you show up the next day and you get through and you mm. power through and mm. you, you do your best work still, you know, yes. you sh I, lo I love that discussion you had around energy and things like that as well and bringing your best energy at work because that's what we're passionate about as well because you just have to get on snap up and yeah. you go again and it reset agreed and it's actually quite cute I've had many clients sort of as they're raising their teenagers and even their kind of 
kids heading into university and whatever, and they said, oh, Julie, can I send, you know, my daughter or, or son in to have a chat with you? Because they, particularly the daughters, because they want to sort of have them connected. I think they, then their daughters come in, I'll talk to them and they have no idea what their amazing hmm. dad or mum does in the infrastructure industry. They're like, what is, what are you talking about? I just know dad's always away or seems to be really motivated by his work. I didn't even understand what it was. And so I kind of translate for them not only to be inspired by what their parents have been contributing to infrastructure, but also what the pathway could be for them in infrastructure because they kind of probably look at their parents sometimes and go, I don't want to be doing that. <laughs> uh, you know, that would be uncool. But also I like that. So I've been able to kind of do some like mentoring conversations and either help them find their career pathway in infrastructure or help them go outside infrastructure, get some skill sets to bring back. So I also think that's a beautiful thing, not only as a parent, but also as a member of the infrastructure community to be able to yeah. um, help other people with their own children. Because I certainly know as a parent, sometimes you're like, help me with my kid. <laughs> I don't know if I'm screwing them. No, just easy. We won't know till years later in therapy, really. No, that's right. Well, that's right. Well, I've got a seven-year gap, so I'll get the second one right, hopefully. No, I'm just teasing. Practice makes perfect. You know, we wish them all the best. (laughs) Look, um, just wanted to go through the rocket round with you. Are we there? Because I could talk to you all day. Favourite book? Stephen Covey, Speed of Trust. And I also like Discovery of Witches, Deborah Harkin. Wow, you're the second person mm. to mention Discovery of Witches. Oh. So that's got to go on. A, I think we should do it. We're going to do a book list, I think. Of I all. don't think you need any more on your to-do list. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a book list of what people share? Yes. Okay, yeah. that's okay. I was like, honey, you need to chill. The A-type personality needs to just stop for a second. I'm no, not I'm writing a book it. yet. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I would love that book. Go, girl. Um, holiday Destination. Oh, I love beach and, and relaxation. I'm going to say the Maldives. Oh, nice. Cats or dogs? Dogs. <laughs> or cats. <laughs> coffee or wine? Wine. I haven't <laughs> drank coffee in about... 12 years. Yeah, I think you've got enough energy I, without it. You do not want to see me on coffee. I know some clients are like, oh, that's a good thing. <laughs> white Christmas or summer Christmas? Oh, well, I'd like a white Christmas because I always have a summer Christmas and I know growing up in North Queensland, you're just sitting oh, there yeah, just sweating, sweating, sweating yes. over some sort of hot meat that you wish was freezing cold. <laughs> so I love a white Christmas and when I lived overseas for work, I, I enjoyed that. Nice. And podcast that you're listening to right now? Mm, I, I'm liking uh, the female founders, the AFR one, but I oh. listen to quite a lot. Entrepreneur ones, infrastructure ones, you know, weird kind of mystery ones. It depends on how much driving time I've got, but I seem to be spending a lot of time flying at the moment. So I'm usually just bashing out on my laptop. Female founders. That sounds mm. interesting. I had, I, I had eyeballed that one and sort of put that on the little subscribe. Yes, it's well organized, like the content. And what makes you feel like you're home? My little darlings, I think. And um, and we just recently um, relocated back to home in Burley Heads. That's where we sort of started the business and launched it. And I feel like that ability to go, ah, mm. when you've finished a day of work or, you know, finish something and celebrating. So, yeah, no, my little ones. I look forward to being with them. I love that. I've loved having you on the podcast, Julie. And <laughs> I, it's always a good chat. I know. I feel like, I hope we got some serious content out I there because I did. feel like we love the chat part. We love the chat part. Love and you I think to bits. that there's some gold nuggets for people good. out there. We've got know? some gems. And at the end of the day, if people walk away with one or two things that's impacted their day and then they go out and create an opportunity in their own life, then we've won. I agree. And yeah. even if they're out buying a morning tea for their team, we've been successful. Even if they have Doritos and tuna <laughs> for <laughs> no! the first time. Oh my God, we are never going to mention that again. No, that's <laughs> Built the door, they've created an opportunity to try a new food group. Oh my god! Uh, what are ways people can support you? 
Oh, to support me? Yes. Well, I think really you just Struba. Um, Struba. Well, cheering for us, I think, is a really beautiful thing. I think mm. when we won the Telstra Best of Business Award, I loved, like, I literally got calls from in- clients that are international, oh. um, people who had that moved overseas messaging, old bosses. It was lovely. So I think cheering for us is really good. And then also being open to the diversity of things that we do. I think we grew as a communication engagement consultancy. We've taken that bag of tricks now into our leadership, culture, even learning and development, hiring, recruitment in terms of actually our speciality and getting people to actually understand how to grow those teams within their team. Like, you know, you can place somebody, Mm. but you could actually unlock their talent. So we're kind of getting involved in their training and learning and development. But also just, you know, asking for us if you need a hand, but also we're always interested in how we can help our clients or help the industry. So get us involved in anything that's around the transition stuff um, and anything that's going to help us take it to the next level and put a rocket up this industry. (laughs) I love that. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on and being a guest, Julie. Thank Always you for a being pleasure. an amazing beacon of industry. You're the best. Oh, you're the best. No, you're the best. No, you're the best. <laughs> All right, we'll wrap it up now, girl. Thank Thanks, you. Julie. Thanks for listening to Building Doors. If you've got comments or questions, send them to hello at buildingdoors.com.au. And remember to subscribe, rate, and review. See you next time.